WTEL podcasts are powered by Stanley Steamer Air Duct Cleaning, Delaware's clean air experts. Call 1-800-STEAMER. Well, the philosophical, theological, political rift within the Roman Catholic Church bursts into public view as it, it never has before, really, with that former papal nuncio, the former Vatican ambassador of the United States, accusing Pope Francis of a cover-up of clergy sexual abuse and the unimaginable demand, uh, certainly unimaginable if it had been some years ago, that the Pope give up the chair of Peter, that Pope Francis resign. Emma Green, staff writer covering the intersection of religion, politics, and policy uh, for the Atlantic, who has written frequently about uh, the Catholic Church and also other religions. Emma, your thoughts uh, here uh, after the tumultuous week that last week was and, and now uh, increased uh, rift uh, going so public. Seeing right now is the Catholic civil wars bursting into public view, different factions within the Vatican who despise the Pope or defend the Pope going to war with one another over who knew what when about the prominent former Cardinal of Washington, Theodore McCarrick, uh, who abused adult seminarians and is credibly accused of, a choosing a mi- of abusing a minor child, and also who knew what when about some of these long-standing abuses and cover-ups of priests in, for example, places like uh, Pennsylvania, where there was an explosive report that came out recently. Right. The infighting has only escalated. I, I know you can't uh, answer this completely. I mean, no reporter can. But we get to whether or not you have uh, church leaders who... F- honestly, from the bottom of their souls, believe it is the other side's uh, theological position which has gotten the church into this mess versus using this mess as a means by which to hammer the other side. There are certainly clerics who believe completely that their way of seeing the cause of the clergy sex abuse crisis is the only way. So you see progressives like Pope Francis, for example, who's argued that it's the clericalism, this obsession with power among the clergy that has caused the crisis. And then on the flip side, you have conservative traditionalists who, for example, see gay priests as the problem and a lack of fidelity to the vow of celibacy as the problem. They see sex as the core of the sex abuse crisis. So both of these sides see their lens of interpretation as the only legitimate lens. But I have to say, from regular Catholics, I see nothing but unity from progressives and conservatives in their disgust and feeling of betrayal at the way that church leaders have handled this crisis. I mean, I'm just guessing. I'm not aware of any polling. A lot of Catholic laity would support, A, uh, the formation of uh, permanent lay review boards that would independently investigate accusations. And number two, and this would be very controversial because it would probably bankrupt the church in even more places, but the church would no longer oppose lifting the statute of limitations on sex abuse allegations. Of course, uh, that's coming up in Pennsylvania now in the aftermath of the grand jury report. Yeah, well, certainly there has been a push for more lay involvement and oversight. And we even saw just today a statement from the review board that oversees sex abuse with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, this lay board that they've already put in place, calling for a greater role for itself and holding the bishops accountable for not taking this problem seriously enough. 
And then as for the other proposal that you suggested, I do think that uh, there is some support for greater criminal prosecution in secular courts, but even a lot of support for the Vatican itself holding an open court, a consistent court. This is what uh, Vatican uh, abusers and advocates have, have advocated for. Marie Collins is an Irish survivor of sex abuse, wants a consistent tribunal that's open at the Vatican to, public, to punish clerics who have been accused of this kind of sexual abuse. Is there a sense that Pope Francis is not equipped to deal with this? I've heard from both Pope critics and Pope supporters in recent days who have suggested that Pope Francis, for whatever good intentions he may have, does not necessarily understand the seriousness or the scope and gravity of this situation. We saw this even on his return from Ireland, where he visited after the World Meeting of Families. He apologized a number of times for a series of abuses and wrongdoing by the church, and yet on a plane returning home, he talked with reporters and was somewhat defensive of a number of things uh, that he said and that clerics have done. Unless on reflection, suddenly uh, he has his moment uh, the way he did after Chile and, and reverses himself. I do think that Pope Francis has made an effort, especially in recent weeks, to show that he cares about this issue. He issued, for example, a letter to the people of God, which was unprecedented in its strong language from a pope condemning sex abuse and taking on the burden of fault uh, in the church itself and among the bishops. But that being said, he continues to have these moments where he, on the fly, will say things that have been hurtful to victims of abuse and show that perhaps he doesn't have concrete solutions to these problems that are still plaguing the church. Let me ask you this as an observer outside the church covering religion. Pope Francis versus Pope Benedict. Some say uh, Pope Francis has actually moved more decisively, decisively than Benedict ever did. Others have said that uh, Francis has reversed some of the things that Benedict did. And finally, there's the idea that Benedict, in fact, retired in part because uh, this whole crisis was too much for him. I do think that part of the context around Benedict's papacy was the idea that this had gotten out of control. It certainly started started to show its head under John Paul II, who issued an email apology to followers of the church. But Benedict really bore the full brunt of it, and many people observed that he did not have the kind of management ability to handle this on the global level. Pope Francis has taken some steps, like putting into place a commission on the abuse of minors and making strong statements. But again, critics say that he hasn't had the management ability to really, on a global level, put concrete protections into place to make sure that systemically this problem is being solved. And of course, many say uh, you need uh, more women uh, in church positions, even in high-ranking positions, that would maybe checkmate some of this. Nonetheless, I feel compelled to note that BuzzFeed Feed News uh, has a massive investigative report outlining some of which we already knew, and that is abuse by nuns at orphanages run by nuns, uh, independent in many respects from the male leadership in the church. And that only adds to things that we already knew. For example, in Ireland, the mother and baby homes, which were often run by nuns, these homes where unwed mothers were forcibly sent to have their children. Uh, there was a particular town in Ireland where 
the bodies of babies who had died of disease at these homes and fetuses that weren't successfully delivered were thrown into a sewer system. So all of this points to the fact that it's not specifically necessarily one gender or one particular character of the church. It has to do with the structures of the church, the lack of oversight and transparency, the amount of power that's given to bishops, and at times to orders of women religious as well. Let me ask you a final point as one who covers religion more extensively than almost anybody in the secular press, and that is some of has said that uh, uh, Catholics' uh, emphasis in the past on celibate clergy and on sexual sins exacerbated this. Others say, well, no, uh, people are really striking back at the church because they see hypocrisy because of its traditional positions. Uh, Others say uh, this has happened in other denominations with married clergy, and even married clergy is not an assurance that such ghastly things are not going to happen. I mean, what comes out to you as one who covers religion across denominations? Well, certainly something I've heard from many scholars and people who follow the church left and right is an agreement that the way that seminarians are developed and taught about sex has contributed to this disordered secular sexual culture in the church, which is allowed for abuse, which is allowed for even abuse of adults, which we saw in the case of former Cardinal McCarrick. But you're right that we see abuses in many different religious contexts not as extensively as we've seen it in the Catholic Church, but there have been recent revelations of abuses among Southern Baptists, among Orthodox Jews, in many different kinds of religions, in Buddhism. Uh, so I think the, the key question here is, what kinds of structures of power allow leaders in different religions to carry out abuses and then not be held accountable once they're found out? And, of course, as Hollywood demonstrates, you know, also in places of secular non-religion, terrible things happen. So there you go. Um, Emma Green of The Atlantic, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you very much.